you are family. If you got your Bible, go to, uh, go to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Tonight we're continuing our series entitled Endgame. And we're talking about what's the end game when it comes to fill in the blank. What's the end game when it comes to family, friends, school, career, money, being a Christian, all of it. That's what this whole series is all about. Matthew 22, verse 37, uh, Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all, everyone say all, your heart. Here, while I read this, every, while I read these two verses, every time we get to the word all, everybody just say all as loud as you can. Ready? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your soul, and with your mind. That's what, that's what Jesus said. And I love the way Proverbs puts this. One of my favorite verses in Proverbs chapter, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. If you throw that up, is it there? Proverbs 3, verse 5. Here it is. Every time you see the word all, shout it out. Trust in the Lord with your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Next verse. There it is. And seek his will in you do, and he will show you which path to take. See, this, this series is all about what's the end game with life. And our series in a sentence, if, uh, if this may be your first time here, if you're a note taker and you're like, I'm just writing it down every single week. Here's our series in a sentence. The end game in all things, in, oh, you guys wanted to say all again. Okay, you, you guys say all again every time we get to it. The end game in things, in areas, in of life is God. It's the difference between like having a list of priorities and often if you grew up in church, we talk about you, you should have a list of priorities and at the top of that list should be God. God should be number one. Jesus should be number one. But here's the problem with a list of priorities is you create a list something like this. Boom. There it is. There it is. You create a list something like this, and what happens is that, is that you're like, okay, number one, God, number two, family, number three, church, number four, school, and then you go on and on, hobbies, sports, music, drama, whatever. Um, and the thing is, is you can just say, okay, I woke up in the morning, I did my daily Bible verse, and I listened to Hillsong United while I got ready, so I'm gonna go ahead and cross out God, and then I can just move on to the rest of the thing. But that's not how God's called us to live. When Jesus says, yeah, you, need to, you need to live for God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, you need to love him with everything, it looks a little bit more like this, where God is at the center of everything you do, your relationships, your families, your sports, your career, your money, your dreams, your school, your friends, everything. Whatever it is that you do, God should be included in it all and should be at the center of it all. And so week one, we talked about friends and family. Or I'm sorry, week one, we talked about school. Last week, we talked about friends and family. And then tonight, we're going to talk about what's the end game when it comes to being a Christian, when it comes to following Jesus. Now, if you're in this room and you're like, I'm not a Christian, and then if you're in this room and you're like, oh, man, it's just going to be one of those, like, Christian encouraging nights, and I brought a friend who's not a Christian. No, this is a great, if you're not a Christian, this is a great night for you to be here because you're essentially going to get to gleam into what it would be like to be a Christian, what it, what it means to really be a Christian, because I think a lot of people are actually kind of confused. And when we stop, if I were to stop and I were to ask you, hey, what's the main goal of being a Christian? I mean, there's, there's something like 200-something people in this room, and we probably have 200-something different responses. If I said, what's the, what's the end game? What's the main goal? What's the big idea of following Jesus? I think a lot of people actually don't know. And so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. 
what does it mean to be a Christian? Because I've heard a lot of people, um, I've heard a lot of people who've come to church, um, they cry at an altar, and they're, all I know is everything I have means nothing. Jesus, I'm going to follow you with everything. You know, you went to a, a club at your school, and you got free pizza, and you also cried because free pizza is worthy of your tears, and you're like, I love Jesus so much now. And then, like, we have that awkward moment as, like, youth pastor and student where I run into you at the mall and I haven't seen you in eight months. And I'm like, so where you been? <laughs> like, oh, you know, Corey, Pastor Corey, PC, Cor- Cornelius, Corndog, here's the thing. Um, I tried the God thing. And it just didn't work out. See, there's something fundamentally wrong with that statement. It's like saying, oh, you know, I tried breathing oxygen. And it didn't work out. You know, I, I tried the whole, the whole food thing. Uh, it's, just, it's just not for me. Oh, water? It's not my style. And you know, see, it's, there's something fundamentally wrong with that. And I think the reason that that happens is people end up signing up for um, becoming a Christian, not knowing what it really means. And so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And here's the thing is that in today's day and age, um, people are signing up for a version of Christianity that looks something like a buffet. Who's ever been to a buffet? Come on, somebody. You're making a mistake if you let me up in your buffet. Tell you, I don't look like it. I, when, when Buffalo Wild Wings had uh, all-you-can-eat wings, and I was eating, when I was still eating meat, I went to Buffalo Wild Wings, and I put down like 48 wings. They weren't the boneless ones. They were traditional, but still, there were fries that came with it too. I'm not kidding. This skinny boy can eat. Like it's, but here's the thing. is so many Christians, um, so many people are signing up to be Christian, but they're signing up for like buffet Christianity, which is like, I'm going to take what I want and leave what I don't want. But that's, that's just not what Jesus said following him is all about. You know that the, do you know what the word Christian actually means? Like literally what the word Christian means? It's not like some label for the, like a club. Like, hey, we're, we're a club of people called Christians. No, no, Christian actually means little Christ. It just means little Christ, like small Jesus. Which means you just look like a, you know, you just look like a, you're like diet Jesus, basically, you know? You're like Jesus with a little less calories, essentially. Like, that's what, that's what Christian means. So it's like, like, we should look like Jesus. We should talk like Jesus. We should act like Jesus. We should love like Jesus. We should look at people the way Jesus looked at people. We should, we should look at the world the way Jesus looks at the world. We should even end up thinking like Jesus, that every area of our lives would look like Jesus. The book of Romans says it like this. It says to be conformed into the likeness or to be conformed into the image of Christ. That's where the, the WWJD bracelets came from. Oh, come on, right now, who had a WWJD bracelet? Don't you lie in church. There's some people who are not saved, like who are Christians. You is your first time at church and they're like, what the heck does WWJD stand for? It's for what would Jesus do? And the bracelets essentially were this thing where it's like, hey, so if ever you're in a situation and you don't know what to do, you look down at your wrist and you go, well, by and by, what would Jesus do? I don't even know what the phrase by and by means. It just, it just sounds real uppity, you know? 
But that, those, those bracelets came from this idea that we should look like and act like and talk like and sound like and walk like and think like Jesus. And ultimately, yes, that is what being a Christian means. It means being little Christ, to follow Christ. So um, how do you become like someone? You become like someone, you, you get close to them. You get close to them. Some of you guys know this all too well uh, because your little brother he acts like you, and he talks like you, and he wears your clothes, and you think it's annoying, but he's like that just because he's close to you. So I mean, like your little sister, she's just like you. Like you dyed your hair, and then she dyed her hair the same color. Well, she's just close to you. That's why she ends up looking like that. So to be a Christian is to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus means that you get close to him. To get close to him, you follow him. Here's one problem. How do you follow someone who's invisible? You know what I'm saying? You're like... Corey, uh, one, one problem, Jesus is kind of invisible right now. Like, we can't see him with his eyes. So how do you follow someone who's invisible? Let's go to the words of Jesus and what he said about being one of his followers. Luke chapter 9, verse number 23. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand in honor of the reading of God's word? I've been loving doing this the past couple of weeks. People died so that we can have our Bibles. So I think it's, uh, it makes sense that we show this word a little bit of honor. So all over this room, would you stand in, the, in honor of God's uh, word? Here's what it says, uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the Sky Bible for your viewing enjoyment. Here's what it says. Then Jesus said to the crowd, I want you to keep in mind this is a crowd. It was probably a pretty large crowd, at least bare minimum, somewhere around 500 people. Then Jesus said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Another version says you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost and destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of, the person, of, of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. I tell you the truth. Some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are. God, I pray tonight, speak to us. Help us to understand what it really means to be one of your followers. God, I pray that um, tonight, God, get me out of your way so that you could come and you can speak. You do what only you can do, God, and that includes in the NFL next year. Help the Raiders in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Hey, look at your neighbor. Tell them this is the fight of our lives. Grab a seat. Grab a seat. Man, this is, um, this is wild, what Jesus said. Like these words, these words are what Jesus decided to say to a large crowd of people. I want you to think, imagine right now. Imagine you were the one on stage with a couple hundred people in front of you, and you had the responsibility of trying to convince a couple hundred people to follow Jesus. Just think about, like, what words would you say? If you had, if you had a handful, if you had, if you had a thousand people in front of you, and you had to convince those people to follow Jesus, what would you say? Not what Jesus said, probably, right? Like Jesus' words that he chose was, hey, if you want to be my follower, stop being selfish. You're not allowed to be selfish anymore. Um, you have to sit in an execution tool. You have to sit in an electric chair every single day. Um, you have to stand in front of the firing squad every single day. You got to go in the gas chamber every single day, and you don't get to lead. You don't even get to be the co-pilot. You're sitting back in coach, and Jesus is going to fly the thing. Like, yeah, that would base, that's like everybody else's reaction when Jesus said this. Like, how would we say, it? hey, Jesus is like such a chill dude, you know? You know, like, 
And like, if you follow him, it's like, I don't know, it's something like equivalent to like, uh, you know, riding a unicorn through like green hills and it's just rainbows and butterflies every single day. Like no more rain like we had today, None of, no more sorrow. I'll tell you this, man. Every time you ever feel sad when following Jesus, there's just a magic gumball machine that will pop up in front of you and you get unlimited gumballs. Like these are the type of things that we would say, but it's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, okay, cool. You want to follow me? You don't get to be selfish. You got to take up a cross, an execution tool every single day, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the one to lead, not you. Keep in mind, Jesus was standing in front of a very, very big crowd. If you're taking notes, here's our sermon in a sentence. Here's what it all boils down to right here. Get a little closer to Jesus every day. Live a little more like Jesus every day. This is the fight of our lives. This is the fight of our lives. Have you ever had something stolen from you? Anyone ever have something stolen from you? Yesterday, that sucks. No, I'm sorry, dude. I had my car broken into. I felt so, like, I felt so violated, you know? Like, and, like, I had, like, bills and, like, my insurance and stuff in there with my name and information on it and stuff. It's like, ugh. Now, have you ever had something stolen from you? by somebody who lives in your house? Let me rephrase that. Who has younger siblings? <laughs> okay. Well, really, who has older siblings? Who think, like, I'm bigger than you, so what is yours is mine. Like, like that's not how that works, right? Um, another question. Who watched Power Rangers? Come on, somebody. Who is your favorite Power Ranger? Awesome. Who said red? My... Red, baby, Jason, I'm assuming all of you are talking about the original Power Rangers and not this like time force or dino force or any other force that was, it's just the originals. The only, like the only thing straying from the original that I'll take is the movie, the full length movie where they had the ninja outfits and Tommy runs up the tree, backflips off of a tree and lands on the skeleton of a triceratops. Y'all don't know, like this is next level nerd stuff. When I was a kid, I had, um, I had one of the Power Rangers swords. You guys, if you watch Power Rangers, you're a big fan. There was this epic moment in Power Rangers. It was maybe the most epic moment of cinematic history, save when Darth Vader tells Luke that he's his father, um, where, spoiler alert, sorry. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, man, it came out 30 years ago. What's wrong with you? When the Green Ranger became the White Ranger. It was so dope. Like, this was like... One of the greatest moments of my childhood, not even exaggerating. And the thing, one of the best parts about the Green Ranger becoming the White Ranger is that the Green Ranger had this little dagger that was also a flute. And when he wanted to call his sword, it was, yes, that is the actual melody. It is what it is. Glory to God. Um, but he went, from, he went from a dagger flute to this like really cool looking like samurai Mongolian hybrid sword. And on the end of the sword was the face of a white tiger. And that white tiger's eyes sometimes shot out lasers. What does this have to do with our message? Nothing, it is just dope. And one Christmas, I got that sword for Christmas. Anyone remember what that sword was called? Saba. Joey, I love you so much. Saba was, I, one problem. My aunt, she got us, when I say us, I mean me, and my older brother Josh, the same exact sword. Yeah, some of you already know, like, how this story ends. So I knew. I knew one day 
my brother would either break or lose his sword, and he'd come after mine. And then he'd pretend like it's his sword. And then we, so you know what I did? I take my sword day one. I unwrap this thing. I see Josh unwrap his. I was like, uh-uh. And I go in the other room, and I find my good friend named Sharpie. And I flip the sword over, and I find a secret little spot, and I write C in this little secret spot that only I and Saba would know about. <laughs> he was my best friend, you guys. And so one day after a particularly epic episode of Power Rangers, me and my brother are doing what normal boys do. We're punching each other in the face, we're, we're poking each other in the eye, we're kicking each other in the butts, and we're doing normal kid stuff. And we're like, next level, let's go get our Saba swords. So we run to the toy box, we open our toy box thing, and like Josh pulls out his Saba sword, and then I go and I'm like, where's my Saba? And I couldn't find my Saba sword, and I look over and I'm like, Josh, come here. That's my Saba sword. He's like, no, it's not. I was like, bro, yes, it is. I was like, give me. He wouldn't give it to me. I was like, look at the bottom. I wrote a little C on there. And then he's like, nah, you wrote a C on my Saba. I was like, you're about to die. <laughs> you kidding? So we're fighting. And if you're a younger sibling, you know that um, there is this certain place where you snap and you become like irate. This is when you go from the like, I want to fight you, but also look kind of cool while I fight you, to like, I don't care what I look like. I'm going to bite. I'm going to scratch. I'm going to pull hair. I'm going to scream. I'm going to like snap your eyelids off. Whatever I got to do. It's, and so my brother, he kind of panics because I hit that mode because you don't mess with Saba. And so he runs. And, and at the time, it was just me, my brother, and my mom. My mom was a single mom raising us at the time. And we lived in a one-bedroom apartment. And so my brother runs out, out the room. Uh, past the dining room into the kitchen where my mom's at. And so I then also pop out of the room and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like bleeding a little bit because we were fighting. Also like, you know, normal little kid attire. It was just the underoos. There's a difference between underoos and underwear. Underoos typically had characters on it such as the Power Rangers or Ninja Turtles. This day, obviously, Power Rangers, I don't remember. I'm just kidding. So I'm standing there in nothing but my underoos like, <laughs> I'm going to kill you. And my, my, my mom's like, Corey, calm down. What's the problem? <laughs> my Saba sword, and it's just mine, and I'm trying to see on the bottom. <laughs> and then my brother from behind my mom does the equivalent of flipping somebody off when you're five, and he goes, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, really? So I look around. I'm like, what do I got? What do I, I got to throw something at him. Who remembers Hot Wheels? All I could, I have Lightning McQueen up here. Now, here's the thing about Hot Wheels. This Lightning McQueen's got a lot of plastic on it. <laughs> I'm totally turning 30 tomorrow. Um, back in my day, <laughs> when bread was a nickel and we walked uphill in the snow both ways to school. Uh, but really, back in my day, Hot Wheels cars were made of like adamantium. It was like pure 100% like Marine Corps tank steel. Like these things, just to give you a perspective, one time my mom ran over one of my Hot Wheels toys and her car got messed up, not my Hot Wheels. All I could find on the floor was a Hot Wheel. So I said, huh, and I just throw it. You flinched. I'm not going to throw it at you, Tamez. Come on now. Maybe I will. I don't know. But I'll tell you this day, I threw that Hot Wheels car. I said, boom, and I sidearmed that thing, and it flew out of the room, through the dining room, into the kitchen, past my mom, and popped my brother right in the tooth. It knocked his tooth out too. Freaking take my Saba sword. All right, let's close in prayer. God, just thank you. <laughs> What's the point of that story? Um, like, we all have this, like, selfish thing downside. You know the first thing I didn't think was, you know what? I just want to be generous today with my older brother, and I've got a Saba sword, and he can't find his, so I want to share mine with him. 
No! Kidding me, that's mine. Keep your hands off it or you get a Hot Wheels thrown at your face. Okay? You know, you know um, for babies, like, you know what the most common uh, first words for babies are? Number one is actually dada. Number two, mama. I, I, after that, typically, the next most common first words of a baby is no or mine. Why? Because we're all selfish. You don't got to teach it. And when it comes to selfishness, it's actually the very first thing that Jesus addresses when he's talking about following him. He says, if you want to be my follower, put the Hot Wheels car down. <laughs> if you're taking notes, write this down. Selfish versus selfless. This is the fight of our lives. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, our key verse. If anyone wants to be my followers, you must give up, on, you must give up your own way. Another version says, another version, uh, NIV, it says, you must deny yourselves. CEV, it says, you must forget about yourselves. Another version says, you must turn from your selfish ways. Isn't this completely contrary to, like, our culture and society today? That says, like, look out for number one. You, you got you to take care of yourself. You better get yours. But look out for number one. No, like, Jesus is saying, no, like, if you want to be my followers, you got to put that aside. You got to stop thinking about yourself. In fact, you have to deny yourself. Now, when it comes to not deny yourself, um, often religious people will say, that means follow the rules. Jesus said, no, follow me. And for Jesus, deny yourself was relational because it always comes back to a relationship with Jesus. And, and here's the thing. It's just in our relationship with Jesus, there's a denying of ourselves, but it's like that in other relationships too. It's like, I'll tell you, like, like I, I will be married 10 years this year, 10 years August 1st, and in marriage, marriage is amazing. It's so much fun. Guys, we definitely get the better end of the deal on this. Like, I promise you that. Um, but there's a denying of yourself. It really is. Like, but here's the thing. It's just like, the denying of yourself isn't this like, oh, man, like, I don't, I like, let me give you an example. I don't wake up in the morning, and the first thing I do is wake up in the morning, and I'm all super tense, like, oh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Don't cheat on Amber. Oh, whatever I do, oh, I got to, and then all day I'm just like, oh, whatever. Don't, don't, don't be, be, be faithful to Amber. Don't cheat on, no. No, like, you, that's not, that's not the way I live out my life. Why? Because I love my wife. So that denying of myself, honestly, it just kind of comes natural. It's just like, who oh no. It's not that I have to be faithful to my wife. I, I get to be faithful to my wife. And so it should be with Jesus. That it's not like, oh, I have, I have to deny myself. Oh, I got to follow all these rules. Are you kidding? No, no, no. First of all, it's not about rules. It's about a relationship. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. But it, it's ultimately saying, like, no, I love Jesus. I'm just getting closer to him. Remember our sermon in the sentence? It's just about getting a little bit closer to him every single day. And as you do that, you don't wake up in the morning like, oh, don't sin. Don't sin. Oh, there's sin everywhere. It's like, oh, sin. Like, oh, get out of my way, sin. Like, some random girl's like, I just wanted to say hi. And you're like, no, you're sin. Making me stumble. Ah. Like, don't punch, don't punch girls. They're just trying to say hi, okay? Like, I'm just picturing that, like, high school. Poof, she's like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's like what goes through my head. Uh, back to the word, pastor. Like, 
That's how it should be with Jesus, not this like overwhelming, like, oh my gosh, I got so much rules. No, I love Jesus, so I'll naturally begin to live like him when I love him and get closer and closer and closer to him. I have to point out, too, that um, as I read Luke chapter 9, um, there's one thing that I don't see Jesus address. Your feelings. My feelings. Let me just say, like, we live in a tough world. Jesus knew we lived in a tough world. He talked about how this world would be tough. He even talked about how the world's going to hate you. But it's okay because it hated me first. That's what Jesus said. He said, when you face trials of many kinds, not if you face trials of many kinds. And he even said, people are going to hate you for my name's sake. Because you follow me, people are going to hate you. So Jesus knew it was a tough world. Let me tell you, like, like, this world doesn't care about your feelings. Facts don't care about your feelings. And when I read Luke 9, verse 23, and Jesus is talking about what it means to be one of his followers, he doesn't mention your feelings. He doesn't mention my feelings. See, you see, when, when, think about it like this. Like, in our world, in this generation, they're saying, like, well, your feelings are the truth. But this is why they say things like, you know, follow your truth. No, there is no your truth. There is no my truth. There is just truth. And facts don't care about your feelings. There is just truth and not truth. Okay, so like when it's like our our society has literally like got us to this place where it's like we really think when God was creating the cosmos, when God was creating the universe, and He was creating right from wrong, morality, good, evil, everything. Like when God was creating this, He stopped and He thought, "Well, I wonder how Corey's gonna feel about all this." No. Like when you were a little kid and you got the fork and you started going towards the electrical outlet, you think your parents were like, oh, I want to stop him, but I wonder, I wonder how they're going to feel when I take the fork from them. You know, i got to consider their feelings. And of course not. And to be a follower of Jesus means that you lay your feelings aside. Jesus didn't say follow your feelings. He said follow me. And once in a while, I'm just telling you that you're going to get to this place where there's a fork in the road and pointing in one direction is a sign labeled your feelings and pointing in the opposite direction is a sign that says Jesus and you have to decide which way you're going to go. Now, once in a blue moon, the signs will point in the same direction. But often, they'll point in complete opposite direction. Which one are you going to follow? Now, I don't know about you, but if you haven't noticed yet, your youth pastor is kind of, sort of, a little bit dramatic. Like, I throw Hot Wheels cars at people's faces because they take my toys. I cried at the end of Monsters, Inc. when Mike Wazowski puts together the door and then Kitty walks through the door and you hear Boo just go, Kitty. And I was like, no! Like, that's me. I, my, my feelings are one thing one moment. I'm think, in one moment, I'm like, man, life dreams and the potential of all I, I'm just believing for so much more and that God has so much in store and, and, and I don't know where, I don't know how, but I know something's starting right now and then the next minute I'm looking out of a rainy window like hello darkness my old friend <laughs> like that's me that's, that is so me so when I get to the fork in the road that says my feelings or Jesus I am not following my feelings. And we have this world that's trying to tell you, 
follow your heart. It sounds dope. I know. It's like, like, no, it sounds, it's, uh, my wife always gets mad when I use this word from the platform. It sounds sexy. Like, it does. Follow your heart. Like, yeah. Oh, man. That's, don't follow your heart. And all the leaders said, amen. Don't follow your heart. Don't follow your feelings. Here's the thing. Your feelings are fickle, but God's word is forever. Follow God. Follow him and what, and what Jesus said. Look at Jesus' life, the words he said and the way he lived, and just, just go that way. Don't follow your feelings. I wrote this down. Um, I, I was kind of thinking like, oh, when I get to this point in time, I'm going to get to this, this. And I even highlighted it in like bright pink because I was like, I'm going to preach this. So I'm going to see how, but I'm just going to tell you it. Stop. Stop worshiping the God of emotion and start worshiping God with all your devotion. Because one, one is selfish and the other is selfless. And see, so you don't just worship God. No, you worship God with all devotion. Because he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, with everything. You get a little closer to Jesus every day. You live a little more like him every day. This is the fight of our lives. This is the fight of our lives. Before we move on, I want to ask you two questions. If you're taking notes, write these two questions down. Number one, when was the last time you said no to yourself? It's called denying yourself. We don't do this very well. Think about it. Think about it. Right now, whatever food you wanted, you could probably have it in 10 minutes. You want burgers? Done. Burrito? Done. You want Thai food? Done. Vietnamese? Mm-hmm. You want pho? It's so good. You want ramen? Come on, somebody. And Chipotle, let's go. Like, whatever you want, you could have it. You really, in America, we really don't have to say no to ourselves. When was the last time you said no to yourself? My next, uh, my next question I want to ask you before we move on, when we're talking about selfish versus selfless, how do you form your opinions? How do you form your opinions? I'm talking all your opinions, personal, social, ethical, moral, political, all your opinions, how do you form them? Do you form them based on your feelings? Because that's just selfish. That's just selfish. Do you form your opinions based on what's popular? Well, if you were to do that, we'll go back 200 years, and what was popular was to enslave entire people groups. Don't, don't form your opinions based on what's popular or what's trendy or what's, what's, just, what's just more popular in the state that you live. Because if you go to the middle of the country or the East Coast, things are going to be a lot different. If you go to the other side of the world, things will be a lot different. Don't base your opinions off of what's popular or trendy or what everybody else at your school supposedly thinks. Lastly, do you form your opinions by like you have an opinion and then you take that opinion to the Bible and you look for something in the Bible to back your opinion? Because that's not how you're supposed to do it either. Here's how we as Christians are supposed to form every opinion that we have. Personal, ethical, moral, political, everything. It's supposed to be like this. Okay, what did Jesus say about that? How did Jesus live that out? What does God's word say about that? That's how we, as believers, are to form all of our opinions. Everything else is following you and not following Jesus. So, put the Hot Wheels card down, you guys. Stop throwing it at people. Our next point, death versus life. Death versus 
Like, this is the fight of our lives. Luke 9, verse 23, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily. The cross was a symbol of sacrifice. The cross to us, it's a symbol of sacrifice. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, said it like this, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. If you want to go read about and learn about someone who's magnif- a hero of our faith, go Google Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He, he was a guy in World War II who was standing, he was, a, he was German, and he was standing up on a radio show against Nazi Germany defending the Jewish people. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he's got a, there's a biography about him called um, uh, Martyr, Spy, Disciple. His incredible, incredible life. Speaking of uh, sacrifice, um, let me ask you another question. What did it cost you to follow Jesus? What did it cost you to follow Jesus? Does anything come to mind? Following Jesus is not a playground, it's a battleground. Following Jesus, um, it's not like, hey, sign on the dotted line, and when you get to the parking lot, there'll be a Lamborghini waiting for you. That was the case. Everybody would sign up, right? No, no, no. It's, it's, um, you know, and you know what Jesus said when people were like, hey, Jesus, I want to follow you. He was like, oh, you do? Cool. Um, I have nowhere to sleep tonight. I'm kind of homeless right now. Uh, still down? People were like, ooh, about that. And Jesus said, cool. So you're, you're just not ready to follow me then. It means like life or death, sacrifice or I'm going to live for myself. That's the way that Jesus talked about. Now, here's the thing, though, is that when we read Luke 9.23 and we get to the part where it says, take up your cross daily, we read that through the lens of Jesus already having been crucified. But when Jesus said this, he wasn't crucified yet. See, so when he said this, all people thought about was the execution tool. See, the Romans were killing people. They were executing people on the cross. That's, that's, how, that's how they were executing people. So when Jesus said, take up your cross, everybody just immediately thought about death. And then Jesus added the, the term daily. So die daily? And Jesus like, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like, if you want to follow me, then yeah, die every day. And they're like, but like you can only die once. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah but you're, you're going to have to die daily. Well, is Jesus talking about literally dying? Well, maybe. Um, But Jesus isn't stupid. He knows that you can only really die once. And so what is Jesus talking about when he says, take up your cross daily, every single day? I believe what Jesus was talking about was living this life where you're laying down your life every day. Where it's saying, I don't come first. I don't even come second. My whole life belongs to Jesus. And whatever he calls me to do and wherever he calls me to go, I will lay down my life for whatever it is that he calls me to do. Now, here's the thing. is It's kind of this like, okay, life versus death is what we're talking about here. But it's kind of this like reverse oxymoron thing because he goes on to say in verse 24, if you try to hang on or save your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost and destroyed? So it's kind of saying like, you know, life versus death, but you live by dying to yourself. And if you try to live for yourself and not die to yourself, then that's actually going to lead you to death. So death is life. 
laying down your life is the only way to truly live. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Try to live your life for yourself. Try to live your life to make as much money as you can and to live the happiest, most fulfilling, adventurous life that you can. You do that and you're going to lose your life. But if you lay your life down and say, Jesus, it's all yours, that's how you find your true self and really live a life to the fullest. Are you willing to lay down your life for Christ, for others? I think that this one, it comes down to it's, um, it's kind of going back to that graphic thing that we, that we talked about where it's God and it's pointing in all directions. And a lot of times we're like, uh, we've, we've walked away the past two weeks and been like, yeah, so I'm going to involve God in every part of my life. But the type of, the type of life Jesus is talking about here, it's not involving him in every part of your life. It's giving him your entire life. It's like this. It's like this. Imagine somebody did give you a free car. Imagine you did go out into the parking lot and there was a car waiting for you, a, a free car. And they said, okay, here, this car is yours, but um, anytime you want to drive it, you got to call me and ask me first. You're like, well, that's kind of weird. And also, if you're going to put gas in it, I want you to go to certain gas stations. Text me before, uh, before you go put any gas. Also, if you want to paint it, uh, you know, you got to ask my permission first. I actually have a form you'll have to fill out. Um, and you're like, is this car mine or not? No, totally yours. But if you're trying to go on a road trip out of state, you're going to have to let me know before you do. And you're like, wait, so this car is not mine. But that's what we do with God. Oh, God, my life is yours. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. But I'm going to do whatever I want. Jesus, my life is yours, but I'm going to date whoever I want. Jesus, my life is yours, but I'm going to go and do whatever career I want. And Jesus is like, cool, well, you know, just then you're not one of my followers because I'm not asking you to involve me in every part of your life. I'm asking you to give me your entire life where your life is actually not even about you anymore. Your life is just about me. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what Jesus is talking about. And then, and then... We have people who are like, give 10% of my money? What? A tithe? Are you kidding? If you're struggling with a tithe, with 10% of your money, God doesn't want 10% of your money. He wants your entire life. If you're struggling with 10% of your money, then you're missing it. God doesn't want 10% of anything. He wants all of it, everything. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, that's what it takes to be one of my followers, one of my disciples. Band, if you could start heading up, get ready. My final point tonight is the band's heading up. Um, it's lead versus follow. This is the fight of our lives. Are you going to lead or are you going to follow? I think you should follow. But wait, Pastor Corey, you always tell us we should be leaders. We should be leaders. Okay, yeah. But you're not worth following if you're not following Jesus. And a lot of people are looking to a lot of people trying to follow them, and they're not following Jesus, and it always ends bad. Go, go, follow, go follow, like, the top musical artists right now and just watch where their life ends up, and you go in the same direction. Go, go follow, like, the best, you know, business entrepreneurs, see where their life ends up, and, and you go in the same direction. 
The only, even, even Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he said, you should imitate me oh, just as I imitate Christ. He's not even saying, he's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. See, I'm your youth pastor, and in, in a way, I'm a kind of a sort of leader to you. But man, if you ever catch me not following Christ anymore, don't follow me anymore. If you ever see me living in a way that's not for Jesus, don't imitate that. Right, like, the only reason anybody is worth following is if they're following Christ. We got so, in the church world, we got all these leadership conferences. We should have more followship conferences. We just need to follow Jesus. That's the only time we should even be leading people. Jesus said, he said, follow me. We don't get to Luke chapter 9, verse 23 and read, then Jesus said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and I'll follow you. That's not what he said. He said, you follow me. And often when he said this, Jesus would say, if you want to be my disciples, turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. And then he'd start walking. And then the people had a choice in that moment right there. Am I going to drop everything and follow him or am I going to continue to follow myself? So here's the thing, friend. We got a lot of people in the church world who are expecting Jesus to follow them. It's like we got a lot of fans of Jesus, not a lot of followers of Jesus. You know the fan. You know the fans of Jesus. You know, oh Jesus, I just, I just love his positive vibes. You know, Jesus, Jesus, wherever he went, there was free food. So, he said, "I'm the bread of life, girl. I love carbs." I just, I, I just love how he was all about love and acceptance. You know, I'm just, I, I'm a fan. Well, Jesus didn't ask for fans. He asked for followers. A fan says, oh, I really like what you said. A follower says, I'll do whatever you say. A fan is like, I really like the way that you laid down. He laid down his life for people. A follower says, I'll lay down my life too. Whatever that means. Leader follow. There's a lot of people leading their own lives, and that's kind of why the world is upside down right now. Because feelings are, are fickle, they're so temporary. So, man, the, can I just say, the, the term, um, the term, I just feel like, if I, if I hear I just feel like one more time, it has been, it's said way too much and it's been way too elevated. going to lead or you're going to follow? Because I say, let's just follow Jesus, because every time anybody else tries to lead this thing, it just, it just goes astray. There was one time, this one guy, he came and he lived 2,000 years ago, and he was so loving and so generous and so gracious that the world couldn't handle it, and they killed him. As I close tonight, I just say that because they say that 70% of your audience re-engages when you, you the, use the word close or conclusion. So as I close tonight, um, 
I know that like a lot of this is serious, you guys. Like I know like like tonight this was like, you're like looking at your friend like, I promise you he's not this serious all the time. It's probably because he's turning 30 tomorrow or something. I don't know. Come back next week. He's usually, there's more jokes typically, you know. It's like maybe it's because his wife is homesick. I don't know. Like he's, he's way better. I know that this is serious. I know that this is, it's, it's a little heavy. But first off, like, I'd rather tell you the truth than tell you what you want to hear. But also, can I also say that, like, like, really? It doesn't look like actually giving your life and dying 99.99% of the time. Now, Christians are the most per persecuted people group, not only in history, but on the face of the earth today, statistically. Um, so for some people on the other side of the world, it does mean dying. But for the majority of the people who will live for Jesus, it doesn't mean dying. It looks a little different. Can I just say it is, oh man, it's so much fun and it's so adventurous. I remember one time um, I was in downtown Lake Elsinore. It was Halloween. My church at the time, we were doing this event in downtown and, and I kind of looked across this, uh, this park and I saw this homeless guy. And, and um, I love shoes and somehow my eyes always go to shoes. So like today when that was a part of uh, coming up to the front, I was loving life looking at everybody's shoes. And, and I saw this homeless guy and somehow my eye just immediately caught his shoes. And he's wearing these um, really old like uh, Velcro shoes. But the, the thing I noticed the most was that the front, um, the front bottom was so ripped and torn that hit half of his foot was hanging out and just walking across the floor and his um and his feet were like really dirty and like messed up and stuff and, and I noticed this right away and right away I just the thought came to mind and it was one of those maybe this is God moments you know it's like go give him your shoes so I looked down at my shoes and I was wearing these black on black Vans classics and I remember that because they're the shoes that I wore to my wedding so I was like, but God, I can't. I wore these shoes to my wedding. I, I can't give these away. I, I have such an emotional attachment to these things. Well, am I going to follow my feelings or am I going to follow Jesus? So I was like, well, you know what? Like, it's, I don't, no. he probably doesn't wear the same size. And I just made excuse after excuse after excuse until somehow, like, I, like my feet dragged themselves over to this guy. And I'm like, hey, man, like, what's your name? Like, how are you? Um, like, okay, like, let's just get to the weird part. I want to give you my shoes. And the guy's like, what? It's like, what are you talking about, man? No, that's okay. I don't want your shoes. Probably, and he's like, we're probably not even the same size. And I'm like, well, what size are you? And he's like, I'm a 10 and a half. And I was like, oh. Well, me too. It's like, dude, would you just try them on? And I knew if I could just like get my shoes on this guy's feet, then I could like, ah, and like run away. And like, I did my part. Like, he's got new shoes. And I remember he put them on and, and he was like, man, like these feel really good. I was like, dude, they look so good on you. He's like, they do. And like, I just, I just felt like a rock star. I was like, dude, they're yours. He's like, but what do you, 
now you got no shoes. I was like, bro, I got flip-flops in the car. I didn't have flip-flops in the car. I lied to follow Jesus. Like, uh, follow the rules or follow Jesus? I'm going to follow Jesus. Can I tell you, like, being a disciple, yeah, it means you have to deny yourself. It means you have to take up your cross daily. It means you have to follow Jesus. But, like, it doesn't look like actually dying. Sometimes it looks like taking your shoes off and giving them to a homeless guy. I tell you tonight, like I've been, I've been, I've been living this life for 15 years. There's no life more fulfilling. There's no life more adventurous. Is it difficult? Heck yes, it's difficult. It's so hard. It's so difficult. But it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Tonight, Jesus stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. Will you open the door? Last thing I want to share is, um, as I was preparing this message, I started thinking, uh, I kind of see it like this. Imagine, imagine our whole church is, they're out in the ocean and, uh, and everybody's wearing a life vest, you know, we're floating around. And looking around, like, you wouldn't really be able to tell who can swim and who can because of the life vests, you know? I kind of think like, that's kind of the world of faith in the church world we're living in right now. You look around and, well, everyone's got their pastors and their preachers. Well, I got my podcast and my daily Bible reading. I got my Bible app. I got my, my Devo book and, I got my connect group and my connect group leader. You're just floating. But what if we took the life vest off? How many of us actually know how to swim? AKA, how many of us actually know how to follow Jesus? You take it all away, you take away the church microphone, pastors, leaders, podcasts, all of it, I'm telling you right now, I would grab a hold of my Bible, I would turn to my Savior, I would cling to Jesus, I would pray to Jesus, and I wouldn't sink, because I'm following Jesus. What about you? Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Forget all the rules, the regulations, everything going on. What this is all about, you just get a little closer to Jesus every day. You just live a little more like Jesus every day. And you fight for that. You fight for that. He stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. He invites you to join him on the most adventurous, fulfilling life you could ever live right here, right now. But here's the thing. It will cost you. It will mean that you have to deny yourself, that you have to take up your cross every single day and you have to follow him. That's what this means. 
thinking about this moment. I'm thinking, man, this, this might be this might be the smallest or the biggest altar call we've ever done, but it's gonna be the realest one. Because all you got tonight was just hearing exactly what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Exactly what it means to be a disciple. So if that's you tonight, and you would say, Pastor Corey, that's what I want. That's what I want. I want to give my life and everything that I have to Jesus. My own way, it's not working out. Leading my own life, I'm following myself. It's, it's led me to such a dark place, to such a horror, to a place where I feel empty and alone. I want to follow Jesus. I want to, I want to give it a shot. I want to give it a chance. What do I have to lose? If that's you, I'm going to ask you to respond in a simple way in just a moment. I'm going to count to three, and when I get to three, I just want you to stand to your feet right here, right now. This is your moment. This is your time. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said these words in Luke 9 to people. He said, any of you who wants to be my follower, it's time to take a stand, and it's time to follow me. If tonight you're saying, that's what I want, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I just want you to stand to your feet. This is going to be the realest altar call we've ever done. One, tonight's your night. Two, don't hesitate. Three, right now, stand up if that's you. Anybody else? Amazing. It's the best decision you'll ever make with your life. You're not signing up for an easy life or an easy adventure, but you're signing up for one that'll follow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. One that says, God, here's the pen of my life. Would you write my story? I want to follow you. Now here's the next thing I want you to do. This one's gonna take even more courage. It's gonna take even more boldness. Right now, if you're standing up, I want you to move out of your seat. I want you to come down to the front. I wanna pray for you. Right now, come down to the front. I wanna pray for you. You might have to push someone out of the way. You might wanna say, you might have to say, excuse me, let me get past you, but I wanna pray for you. Would you come on down? Amazing. And it's the best decision you'll ever make with your life. When we read Luke chapter nine, Jesus said, hey, like, if you're ashamed of me, then like when we get to heaven, I'll be ashamed of you. But if you acknowledge me in front of people, then I'm gonna acknowledge you when you get to heaven. It's the best decision you'll ever make with your life. What we're gonna do is we're gonna pray right now. Um, some of you, you maybe never have prayed in your whole life. It's really simple. We're just talking to God. That's what it is. Just like I'm talking to you, we're just gonna talk to God. Here's the thing, you're like, uh, I don't know what to say. Don't worry. I'm gonna give you the words. They're gonna be really simple, but it's not like expecto patronos, like, and you're like magically saved. Here's what you can do. Just say these words out loud and believe them in your heart and you'll be saved. That's literally what the Bible says about salvation. So right here, right now, since we're a family, everybody's gonna pray this, every single one of us. Um, but would you pray this right out loud, everybody together, right out loud, would you just say these words? Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart, I give you my life, I give you everything, and I'm gonna follow you from this day forward for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Hey, before you go anywhere.